Hey Warriors, and how are you guys doing this week? I hope your week has been a great week. Um, there's been a lot of crazy things going on with my life with just different situations I'm involved in, but it's actually been a good week overall. Um, last week we talked about, you know, in weakness part one, and this week we're going to talk about weakness basically part two. And it's not going to be necessarily the same what we talked about last week because we're actually going to go in a different direction of talking, even though we're still going to be in Romans 8. The first half is actually going to be talking about one of probably growing up, probably the one thing that happened to me a lot. And I'm sure some of you guys have probably had similar issues. I know we always, <laughs> if you've been brought up in church, we were always taught about David and Goliath. And somehow the conversation always turned to bully versus being bullied. And though I don't agree in the sense that that's what the story is trying to teach, but it is teaching the idea that when you are willing to honor God, God will put you in a situation sometimes like a Goliath and he will help you through it. But talking about weakness, growing up when you are being bullied can be a really big factor in why a lot of us men think we're also weak. Now, I know some of you guys probably are like, no, actually, I was the one that bullied people. But it goes both ways. There is weakness in both situations. A lot of times when someone who bullies others has issues and usually has had things at home that's happened and maybe in a lot of ways, their reaction is to make other people feel, feel less than them so that they can feel better about themselves. I mean, ultimately, that's what a bully does. But from my perspective... Uh, it was more being bullied. I mean, I can remember several bullies just from my 10 years living in New York where one, I was probably four and the kid across the street um, had me come over, said he was quote unquote going to play with me and ended up was slamming my head across the ground. Uh, then after he left, uh, I made friends with one of the kids down the street. We hung out all the time until this other family who moved next to us, the older, I guess you could say, well, let me phrase it, because he had an older brother himself, but he was the older brother of the the girl in the family who was becoming more of my friend. He was probably a good three years older than me, maybe even four. I don't know. I wasn't really sure, but he made it his favorite thing in the world to do was to torment me. When I would be outside, I, I actually started not wanting to be outside, so that way he couldn't find me. But every time I would be outside in my backyard... He would somehow discover that I'm back there, get back there somehow, and just push me around, or he would take the toys I was playing with, and he would just throw them or break them, and he'd just laugh about it and walk away. And then my friend, who I thought was my friend, basically, out of to me, out of fear of being bullied himself, joined sides with the bully because he didn't want to be bullied himself. So it ended up being where I just basically became more of a loner as time went. And that kind of stuck with me. You know, a lot of times what we don't realize is our past, like especially if we were bullied, does impact our personality as we grow up. And I guess tell you this, that was one thing. I prefer be by myself. I preferred playing by myself. And I preferred not really making too many friends at all. Because in the long run throughout the years, most of the time, anybody who called themselves friend end up not really being a friend because when I did need them to be my friend they were never around um, God has blessed me with probably I could say maybe a handful of people of especially young uh, men and men my age well back then were young men but men my age that did help in a lot of ways at certain points of time 
and were there for me when I needed them. I mean, I had a good group of guy friends in high school that, you know, we did a lot of things together. But as time went when we left high school, that things changed. I do remember when we moved to New Jersey for a time, there was a school I went to. There was a guy that was trying to be a bully, but the cool part is God brought this really cool guy in that time frame to be a good friend for me. And even though it was only for half a semester, it was still good. And then when we moved to an, uh, like our actual house, I had to go to another school, and the same process happened again. Several guys started bullying, bullying me to the point where I was alone, most times at lunchtime, crying. And so, you know, a lot of times, bullying just, it has a huge factor on you. I mean, the positive thing that happened at that one school was that the girls of those boys or those boys, the girlfriends of those boys saw me crying one day at the lunchroom, sat with me and asked, why am I crying? Why, what's going on? What happened? And I told them, you know, there's a bunch of guys who keep bullying me. And they were like, what guys? And I said, I didn't want to tell them because I knew most of them were dating these guys. And they just kept pressure, pressuring, pressuring, pressuring. And finally, I just told them, you know, so-and-so, 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 they pick on me every day on a constant basis. And they ended up breaking up with those guys and spent maybe four out of the five days sitting with me at lunchtime. And they would help me through the classrooms. They would invite me to activities and events because they chose to not be the part of the bullying, but instead change the situation and help me through it, which helped me a lot. Because I don't know. I mean, we hear stories about people who bring guns to school and they do all this crazy stuff you know and we have stories like Columbine and we have stories like we hear of all these other schools where someone you know chose violent action to solve their problems and there's been people that I've met throughout the years who have said if one thing hadn't happened in their life they would have done the same and that's really sad and it's really hard to hear because in reality, the only one that helped me through all those situations was actually God. When I finally went to this Christian school, I had been so, I think the best word is damaged by my experiences in the past and how always going to a new school, there's always someone who wanted to bully me. And this is the first time where my awkwardness because of what has happened to me really it made it really hard for me to make friends but my one friend name was robert and if you're listening to this podcast you know who i'm talking about he got basically by my side and just became my friend and we were just such good friends throughout bethel and from sports to activities i mean even though we didn't get to go to each other's house often because we lived a good distance from each other throughout the week throughout the semester of school we you know we just had fun and it was really neat how god brought robert into my life and he really helped me and if you're listening to this bud you know you did have a huge impact impact in my life during that time um but the big change for me happened i would have to say is when i moved to colorado i finally got to do football as a team and there was a coach that was there coach Peterson and he was probably like if you were a young guy you would see him as a man of men because the way he would act he was strong man he worked out he 
would run a lot he'd ride his bike everywhere and you know he was like those coaches you see in movies and a lot of times um his goal was to always remind us that as men we're always supposed to be leaders you know he may have been tough he may may have gotten mad at, at people for the mistakes they did but he always taught we are to be leaders we're supposed to be men that are willing to walk in truth but also to walk with strength in christ it was never about pride it was never about trying to make someone else feel bad it was always about encouraging the other guys in the team to step up to pray to walk to not do wrong and he always challenged us to do that and that's why when i think about david and goliath which is in first samuel 17 you know you go through that story and a lot of times we always go into the idea that it's about bully a bully bullying israel right you know that was always the concept that we always picture but in truth as men we're supposed to be walking in truth we're supposed to be men who are not afraid to speak truth and if you were to look at the story from that perspective you could see how in today's culture there is this push and it's even from other Christians or so-called Christians trying to tell you that we're not supposed to be out there. We're not, we're all supposed to be about peace and love and respect. We're not supposed to be standing up for truth and preaching the gospel in the corners. We're not supposed to be telling people about sin, but in truth, what David saw was a bunch of men who call themselves men of Israel, men of God were not willing to step up because of fear. I think in the long run, in our weakness, when we get weak like that, we allow fear to start taking over. We start allowing our past to take over how we feel. And we start remembering what it was like to be bullied. We start remembering those moments when things got hard. What we did was either run off, hide, or didn't just, just didn't want to deal with it. And so a lot of times when things get hard in life, we take what we did as a kid and we start doing that as adults. When as men, we should not be running to high. We should be running to the Lord. And if you haven't discovered that, this is your day to discover that. When things get rough, where do you run to? Because there's two ways, there's two paths a lot of men take. And one is hiding and the other way is they try to overdo the toughness to try to out beat other men like we talked about last week men hate being disrespected but this week what path you choose can make a big factor in the type of man you're going to be now or if you're a younger guy when you become more an adult and even as you grow into adulthood because i mean we're still growing even as as adults and you still got to keep checking yourself making sure you don't allow pride to start dictating how you act so when we look at that story, David said, he's looking at all these men, like, why are you guys not you know, standing up against this Philistine, this giant? And they're like, oh, I'm too scared. I'm too scared. You know, I, you know, he, he could kill people. He's big and he has all of the stuff and he has all like he has all these weapons and blah, blah, blah. But David said, but <laughs> where's your faith? Basically, he's like, where do you, where do you guys stand on this? Like, is, or do you not trust God to help you through this? And so David said he was willing to do it. And so one of the best things about it that I love is that, you know, Saul's like, well, here's my armor. Here's this, put this on. And David's like, I can't move in this. 
So a lot of times what we also do is we like to overdo what it means to be a man. I think that's one of the things I've kind of noticed. We overdo what it means to be a man. We try to be tough. We try to look strong. We try to um, dress like like what we think a man is supposed to dress like. We start trying to act what we think a man is supposed to act like. So we overdo the whole manhood and instead of being men who are compassionate, gentle, and loving, we start becoming a little bit too over, over strong. That's why I said, you know, before in the past, it's kind of like being a lion and a lamb. You got to balance it out at the right time. There's times where we need to be gentle, but then there's times where we need to be fierce like a lion. I think sometimes we overdo the lion and forget to be about to be the sheep. That's why, you know, when I see dads who tell their kid, no, don't cry, you know, men don't cry. That's not true. In fact, you should be embracing your son telling him, you know, everything's going to be okay because they need both. They need to know how to be compassionate because what happens if your son grows up and just has girls? You can't tell his daughters, you need to just get up and, and you can't cry, you know, blah, blah, blah. That's not the right attitude. You need to learn to be gentle. And what about his wife? You know, there's a lot of things that you need to be teaching your son to be more prepared because we can't always be tough all the time. You know, even Jesus cried. He wept over someone's death. God weeps over us. And these two, these two images of what a man's supposed to be like tells you that they're not all just Zeus and Thor and powerful and never get upset and never show emotion. It's all important. It's all part of our the character that God has given us as humans. Why do you think some people, uh, you know, are sad when their pet dies? Why do you think they're sad when a friend dies? I mean, if we weren't supposed to have the crying mechanism, then God would never have put that in us. That's not man-made. The idea is that we get to look at the story of Goliath where we see David... Out of all the men being willing to do it, he said no to the armor. And he says, I, I will go in the name of the Lord and I will stand before him. And I will show no fear because I'm trusting in God. And I think that's the key thing is we forget that when we are in fear, fear is not of God. It's not something we're supposed to be embracing. In fact, fear is a part of our sin nature. Fear is a part of the enemy's tool to make us not willing to step up in our weakness. So though God gives us strength in our weakness, we need to recognize when it's weakness and when it's fear. Because sometimes we mix the two together thinking being fearful is weakness, so therefore that's when I'm weak. And so men who are fearful are weak. But a lot of times weakness is the first part of it. And then fear comes because we start losing grasp of control. So the key thing is we, we forget who is in control because we don't have control. And when we don't have control, we get frustrated, we get confused, we start wondering. And then we start questioning our manhood. We start questioning you know, our ability because we see other men that look like they're succeeding, looks like they're doing amazing. But in the long run, they may be deceiving us with a mass trying to show look how great i am but in reality they're not inside they're broken 
Because a lot of times, like we were talking about, bullies may look like they have it all together, but in reality, they may be having huge struggles at home. There may not be a dad. There may be a dad who doesn't care about them. They may be being abused. And so this is their reaction to you. Because maybe they see that you have a dad that loves them. Maybe they see that you have good things happening and so they're jealous. Sometimes it may be just because this is what they do in their anger. They go find someone they think is weak and go after them. Because a lot of times, you know, it's the story of when you're nice, you always get nothing at the end. And sometimes it does feel like that. And maybe that's why I got bullied more because I was nice and I wasn't a mean and aggressive when it came to doing things except for sports. You know, that's when I would show a little aggression, but I think it was more because I was just a nice guy. And I was never thin, you know, so I always had some weight to me and I'm and I got picked on for that, too. So the thing was, there's there's a lot of factors into why people bully, but at the same time, we as men need to reflect and pay attention to why we struggle in our weakness, and do we allow fear in it? So let's take a quick break, and we'll come back right after this. Hey guys, welcome back. And you know, we've been talking about kind of the idea of bullying. We've been talking about David and Goliath. And so last week when we were in Romans 8, you know, we talked about the first part of, of the verses starting, I think it was that, verse 18. So we're going to actually go to verses 31. This is Romans 8, starting at 31. It says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus, is the one who died. More than that, who was raised who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Saw tribulation or distress, a persecution or famine, nakedness or danger or sword. As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor deaths, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So in the long run, guys, we're going to have struggles. Like there, there's nothing here telling us we're not going to go through all of this. The question is, shall those things defeat us and a lot of times when you start studying into more about people's character and behavior there is failure because they took their eyes off of god they took their faith away from god and they tried to fix things for themselves they try to solve the issues because i mean for a long time when i especially throughout my teenagehood i thought God's part in my life 
was to take care of my religious and spiritual well-being. But everything else was supposed to be my responsibility. So that meant dealing with bullies. That meant sports. That meant um, even girls I liked. That meant school. That meant colleges I was interested in. That meant my future job. Like I thought everything else was... I was supposed to take everything the Bible was telling me. And everything I was getting taught by teachers and pastors... I was supposed to take that to figure out how to do everything. And it took a while. It took probably until I was about 20 when I heard other people say certain things from different messages through even books I was reading. I misunderstood the fact that God, his expectation was for me to follow him through his word, live a life that's honoring, that's holy, that's, that's pleasing to him. But to ask him, to, re, to, to reach out to him, to seek his guidance in everything I did. So there was a time where I actually said, Lord, I surrender everything. I gave everything into his hands. Now I was willing to say, Lord, whatever happens, I will try to hold on to my faith through it. And I will, I will do my best to not allow the world sin everything around me to try to break that because I'm going to put my faith in you even if it doesn't end up the way I was hoping and that has been a continual journey it does there's no answer there's not one day it just like boom I just gave everything to the point where like now it doesn't bother me no it still does I still cry I still get upset I still get hurt I still get frustrated I still have people bullying at me I still have people who have hurt me. I still have people who have treated me with so-called this friendship and brotherhood. And then when I really needed them, they weren't there. Like it's still ongoing. And I think I will still have that issue even in the future. The thing is, how do I learn? I mean, that's the key thing. We are going to go through all that, all the stuff that it's talked about in Romans 8. It doesn't say we're not going to go through it. We will be going through those. So how do we, how do we get through it? Understanding that Christ loves us, that they, that God has the best out for us, that there is nothing that can go against that will separate us from our Lord. So then, why does it feel like sometimes in weakness we feel separated? And the truth is because, like I have talked about, there's that fog of war that we see. And a lot of times the enemy just puts what's in that fog of war in front and trying to keep our eyes away from God. Trying to keep our eyes away from his hand out there trying to pull us through it. And a lot of times the other thing I see a lot of guys do is when they really need the help, they don't allow people in to help because they think they have to figure it out that it's their responsibility to get the answers when in reality one of the things that god has planned for the church was to have fellowship with your brothers and your sisters that fellowship that word fellowship is a collection of people coming together and fellowship means talking praying together having fun together growing together encouraging one another confronting one another that means confronting in sin. That's all part of the fellowship system. And we kind of 
allowed the culture of the world to get inside the design that God had planned for the church. And so we get this mindset that real men don't do. And then we have this list when in reality, God's like, I didn't give you that list. Why are you following it? Well, it's because everybody else follows it. And see, once again, that's that warning that Paul is telling us, do not conform to this world. Do not conform to what the world is trying to teach you in these philosophies and ideologies and these religions that are not written in scripture, that are not pleasing, that are not good, that are not designed by God, but designed by men to create some type of standard and system that they think is the right way to do it. That's why one of the battles I had growing up in my Baptist school is they told us, no, any music that wasn't hymnal music was bad. I've been in a school that told, told people anything that was denim so you couldn't wear jeans of any kind because that was the devil's material. I've been in places where they said having drums on the stage is one step closer to being into the devil music of rock and roll. I wasn't allowed to dance. I wasn't allowed to go to really any parties. Technically, I wasn't even supposed to be going to movie theaters. See, those are man-made standards, and I get it. Because there's a possibility, an assumptional possibility, that that can take you in the wrong way. And that could make you weak in Christ. It could get you to get involved into anything that's not godly, that's not holy. But in the long run, that could be anything because there is the opposite problem. You can become so standard-filled system of checklists and what's right and wrong and black and white that to the point where you become prideful and you become self-righteous and you become a Pharisee and you become a false teacher because everything is built around these standards and you start thinking of self-glorification, you, you become God because it, there is the opposite reaction of going too far to one direction. So is it wrong to have a standard? Is it wrong to tell your son and daughter, hey, you should never be alone with the opposite sex if you like them especially. You should never be alone because emotions get in the way. That's not a bad standard. But if you start teaching your kid especially like your daughter, you can't have a guy friend. You cannot be around any guys at all, period, because bad things can happen from it. Because I know what guys think. That's not healthy. Because they need to learn how to have a healthy relationship with a guy. Because otherwise, when it comes down to it, when they're adults and they start having interest in the opposite sex, they're not going to have any clue how to have a relationship with them. And I'm not talking about a dating relationship. I'm not talking about a personal physical relationship. I'm not talking about kissing, hugging, all that. I'm talking about relationship, being able to talk to them, being able to build some type of friendship, connection, to understand a guy a bit more. They need to have those friendships. I personally never encourage teenagers to date. Unless they believe that God is telling them to, to get together, I would never tell anybody who's a teenager, date around. In fact, I would teach them, and I did when I was a youth pastor, invite them to activities, group activities, invite them over to, to your house to meet your parents, invite them over to hang out, invite them to get, you know, have friendships with them. Because once again, once you get married, and after the whole honeymoon phase is over, after the ushi ushi gushiness is all over, 
your relationship with that person is going to be the only thing that's going to stand. And that's why divorce can be really high in many cases because it's all about attraction, shallowness. So once all the gushiness is over, it's like that excitement is gone. So now the energy and the, the motive and the everydayness of trying to chase after somebody is now complete. You have nothing because you never got to know each other. You got to know each other's body. You got to know each other's lips. You got to know each other's hands. You got to know each other um, in this romantic interest, but not actually know this person. It was something that my wife and I have been noticing with a lot of car- like shows that we used to watch growing up, like from Disney, Nickelodeon, whatever it may be. A lot of young, young people in these characters were very shallow. All they saw was appearance. And I know that sometimes they try to kind of make it be a little realistic, but it really isn't. It's all about shallowness because looks is what attracts people. And in reality, that is very true. But they never taught them to actually look past the looks and get to know people. Not At least not very often. And if they did, it would maybe like one episode in a season. And in the long run, the, the characters never learned from their first mistake in the first place. And they still go after somebody because they're good looking. You see... There's a lot of things that are factoring into why we as men, as we grow up and become men, we struggle in our manhood. Because one, TV shows influence us, music influence us, parenting influence us, how people treat us. So like people who have been bullied and people who were the bullies, all that's going to create who you are as an adult. And in weakness, instead of seeing how we can get through that, we have this image that we have created of what it means to be a man. And if you're not good looking according to the world, and if you're not skinny according to the world, and if you're not strong according to the world, then you're not really a man. And so we have a lot of weak men because we have this picture image that we're supposed to be like. And the mistake has been, we've never looked at scripture. We never spent time looking at what God says, what a man is. And we've had plenty of episodes where we talked about that men should be basically protectors watching the gate. They should be men who can learn to love others without being so stiff and emotionless. We've talked about being fierce when we're supposed to, when we're supposed to be stepping up as leaders, even if it's for a time, but stepping up as leaders. We've talked about men should be praying. They should be on their knees, giving giving their hearts to God. We talked about studying in the scriptures. We talked about that you find other men in your church or even in your community that you can reach out, you can pray with, you could talk with, you could spend time with. We could talk about all that stuff, but it all comes down when we are at that point of weakness do we trust in all that we've been trying to do to invest in other men, discipleship, mentorship, um, praying, um, telling other men how they're supposed to be? Do we believe that and do we live that in our weakness? Because in the long run, at the end, it's just going to be the Lord and you. There's going to be times where people that you count on and have been there for you may not be there for you. And you can't be saying that your faith has been on these friendships and these relationships and the family because they're all going to fail you. God is not. 
And when it gets super hard, and it feels like there's no hope, there's no open door, there's no way to get out. Remember what David did. Picked up those five stones, and he walked and faced that giant, and he pointed his finger that today, the Lord's going to beat you. And though that giant laughed at him, calling him how puny he looked, David swung his sling and that one tiny stone hit that giant between the eyes and he went down like a rock. And David chopped his head off with his own sword, holding it out as the other Philistines ran for their lives. Because the victory wasn't because of what David did. The victory was because David understood what God would do. And at the end, as much as we feel weak, we feel like there's no way out. God has you. And he will pull you through all the hardships that we go through. Every point when we feel like we can't do anything. God's going to grab you by the arm and say, trust me. You let him. Don't hold back. Don't grab onto the ground. Don't stick your feet into the dirt. Trying to resist because a lot of times we love to resist. And then when we resist, God has to drag us through the dirt slowly so you're stuck dealing with all the crap because you didn't just trust him. Let's pray real quick. Dearly Father, thank you for this time. I ask, Lord, that you bless the second half of In Weakness, that it will be used to impact men and any of the women that may be listening to this, that their hearts will be transformed, that they would recognize that in weakness, they need to allow you to lead. That we're going to go through struggles. We're going to have these tribulations. We're going to have persecutions. We're going to have time where it just feels like everything is just coming at us and there's no way out. But we have to reach out, grab onto your hand, say, Lord, I trust you to take me through the guck and get me out. And at the end of all this, we know at the end, when if when we die or when you come and get us, Lord, we will know that it was all worth it because we get to be with you. I pray you transform hearts today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You all have a great rest of the week this weekend. Enjoy the extra vacation I'm sure some of you had. And understand that all you have to do is just reach out and grab God's hand and he will help you through it all. Don't believe it's your hands or your power. It's God that's going to do it all. And trust him just as David did. And I will see you next time. Thank you.